it's just that you have to make a choice on where to act and, and act upon your strengths instead of your weaknesses. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to Nodes of Design. To help support our mission spread knowledge, we have a very special guest in today's episode. Let us welcome Denise Piller, who is a UX researcher, strategist with over two decades of experience. And she's also one of the three authors of very first Brazilian book on UX research. She holds a PhD in Cognitive Psychology and an MBA in Positive Psychology. Currently, she is a strategist at New Bank. In this episode, Denise had shared great insights on UX strategy and its importance. We spoke on different frameworks for UX strategy and how to measure the success of a strategy. We then spoke how design teams and designers can build their own strategy that solves the purpose of both business goals and the user needs and how strategies can be modified dynamically by feedback and learning without creating much of blockers. In the end, we spoke on how could strategies be presented in an effective storytelling manner so that everyone on the board can connect with it. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode and on every Friday, we release new episodes with different creative leaders from around the world to help you better understand different concepts related to design. So don't forget to tune in into Notes of Design every Friday. With that being said, happy designing everyone. Hi Denise, welcome to Notes of Design. It's a pleasure hosting you today on our show. Hello. I uh, thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, Denise. So how was your day so far? It's a nice day. Uh, sunny day in Rio. Uh, temperature very mild for the moment. So it's, it's a good one. I just already had a few meetings, but it's a good day. So Denise, if you could give a brief about yourself to our audience out there. Okay. Well, my uh, background is originally computer science. Uh, I have a, a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in computer science. And then I did my PhD in psychology, more specifically cognitive psychology. I'm absolutely fascinated by human behavior and, and you know, the human mind. After that, I joined SAP, the uh, software giant, German company and I stayed there for 14 years and now I work for Nubank uh, which is a, a fintech that started a few years ago in Brazil and it's now the the biggest digital bank in, in the world. Uh, we just um, went IPO last December. Uh, I live in Rio. I'm from the south of Brazil but I've been living in Rio de Janeiro for two years. I, I'm divorced. I have two kids and two grown grown up kids, a boy and a girl, or a man and a woman. You know, yeah, I love to travel. I love to uh, drink wine and reading things about you know human behavior, crime, and profiling. I'm really into it. That's nice, Denny. So, what was your journey into design and research, and how did you start? And what are your tips to the beginners on how to start? As I mentioned to you, I did my master's in computer science. But I took a few classes in, uh, from psychology about memory and cognitive science and, and perception. And I really loved what I was learning in there. I said, I need to learn more and go into this direction. That's what I really want to do. And uh, I've always been concerned about why things have to be so difficult for the end user. 
being a, a developer, a software engineer, it's you see that things are not really made for the user. They're sometimes or oftentimes too complicated for that. Uh, in this process, I attended a two-hour seminar on user-centered design, and this was back in 1995, so long, long time ago. And then that was the answer to all my uh, concerns, all my questions. And then I decided that, you know, this is what I wanted to do for life. So I started to work more with the web and learn more about uh, HCI. And uh, that's where I really started. And um, to the beginners, my, uh, my tip would be just learn about yourselves, observe people, and if you want to do research, you really have to be comfortable with people because it's all about human beings and in real life, in their context, and what works, what doesn't, what makes us suffer, what makes us happy, and so on. And of course, reading, reading a lot, not only technical books, but also literature, it gives us the opportunity to learn a lot about how people work. Uh, even fiction, it helps us in that direction. So never stop reading. <laughs> That's wonderful, Denise. So let's start today's discussion on uh, UX strategy. So what exactly is UX strategy and why is it important? Okay. Um, I would say in a nutshell, UX strategy is how to take advantage of the UX knowledge and uh, tools to make the business strategy to realize the business strategy in the best possible way so that your customers uh, not only can use your products and services, but they also like it and love to use it and, you know, recommend, come back and so on. Very briefly explain it is that. And it is important because if you uh, have limited resources, which is often the case uh, in a business, uh, if you know where you're going, where you want to go, and what is uh, at your disposal, you will possibly get there faster and uh, with a lesser cost. So uh, that's that's why I think it's it should always be uh, the UX strategy talks should always be included in the product talks and in the company strategy talks from the very beginning. So what are the different frameworks for UX strategy and how do you measure the success of a strategy? I, I Can I start with the second question? <laughs> how to yeah. measure? Yes, yes, sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it's very easy to measure the success of a, a, a UX strategy because the success of the product will be the, the answer. The, the best well strategies in terms of UX, they will be translated into product success. If you did a good job with the UX strategy, your products will have a very good uh, acceptance from your uh, audience or target audience and uh, your company will make more money. Briefly explaining that set. What would be the frameworks for that? You know, there are uh, many ways of do that. First of all, it has to be clear uh, where we want to go, where we are now, yeah, because sometimes we are so concerned about where we want to go that we forgot to really understand well where we are now and what we have, what are our strengths are, are our weaknesses? What are the gaps? How can we potentially fill them? I mean, is there anything we can really do about that? If we, if that's not the case, 
what would we be able to do or provide to our customers as a differentiator? And then we can think about how we get there and the frameworks. There are several ways to do that. I wouldn't really recommend specific frameworks. I think that it can be adapted depending on the company, depending on where you are now and where you want to go. But there are things that are um, always part of any strategy. And uh, one of the things is, is how can we provide value innovation? How we can uh, contribute to the best return on investment to realize our business goal and uh, through uh, UX uh, tools and resources that we have applying the UX strategy, how can this best be done to realize the uh, company strategy. Another thing that is always present is user research. We cannot know where how, well where we are and uh, we cannot know well who our customers are, what works for them, what doesn't, and, and how can we fill the gaps that they have if we don't do research. So user research is a, a fundamental layer that has to be there and that it has to be carefully done so that any strategy can be realized. Another thing is, of course, the design has to cover this to, to account for all the things that the research has uncovered. And, uh, and to, to conclude or to wrap up, we need to be able to provide a, a good experience for our users. So with that um, design, that needs to be tested and, and monitored so that we really uh, deliver what we are, uh, what we intend to deliver. So I, I would think that these four elements would be the the, the core um, components of any framework that uh, we decide to use to create and, and implement any strategy. Thank you, Denise. So, what are the initial steps for the design team or a designer? to create a strategy that solves the business goals and user needs as well? Okay, that's, uh, I would say, an easy question. The first thing is to understand where we are now, who we are, what we have, what is working, what is not working, what are the really the real gaps in our, that we are, in our, the product that we are currently delivering. It's the first step is to really understand. Uh, test the waters and see, okay, where we stand. After that, we uh, we need to take a look at these gaps and see upon which of them we can actually do something, you know, because sometimes there are problems with products and that we are not really able to fix. We, we it's, it's a smart strategy to understand also what we cannot do. And understand that if we cannot act there, there must be another another point of the product or another point of the strategy that we can tweak so that we offer more value to our customers. So important part of this initial step for uh, any good strategy is to understand what can in fact be done. Because if we assume that we can change the world and, uh, you know, be do miracles, this is not going to work. Every... Every company, every product has limitations, and this should not be taken as a bad thing. It's just that, you know, you have to make a choice on where to act and, and act upon your strengths instead of your weaknesses. 
I would say these two steps are the, the, the most important ones to start. Understand where you are and define so that given your final destination, um, what are the things you, what are the pathways that you can actually take or not? Thank you, Denise. So how could UX strategy be modified dynamically based on the feedback and learnings that won't create any okay. further blockers into the process? Oh, yes. And that's, that's a very important question because, you know, when you create a strategy, suppose you have done your research, you understood where you are, you know where you want to go, and you know what potential uh, roadmap is. But, of course, as you go, you will need to test your designs and see whether you are going, in fact, in the right direction or if you need to make changes to your itinerary, let's say. Okay. So, uh, in this sense, the, the design and the, the iterations in the design and research validations process is very important because it will tell you Every time you sometimes had an idea that doing a specific um, change or creating a specific functionality, you would go in the direction you want to go. But sometimes when you show that to end users, you see that that's not really the case or that things should be a little bit changed or that you should uh, provide a different functionality instead. So it's important to be constantly iterating and validating with the end users so that we can make these adjustments as you go without any major change in the direction. Because if you create the whole product and then you put it, put it in the market and then you see that it's not working, it's much more expensive and it's much more harmful to the business to make changes and to sometimes replace parts of the product or, you know, make any, any fundamental change. So it's important that in addition to the research and to the initial design proposal, you are constantly iterating and validating your changes, especially the most important ones. Uh, I mean, most important in volume and in, in, in impact so that you can make this course adjustments as you go. This is, this is very important. This is what will help you get there with the least bumps in, in, in the road, on the road. Thank you so much, Denise. So according to you, what do you think are the major failures in a UX strategy? How could a strategy get failed? I think the major things that can fail is not knowing your, the context of the end user. And I have an example from 1966 from AT&T when they create this picture phone. It was, I think, the biggest design failure or product failure that I've ever seen. They invested millions of dollars in a, in a phone that would be sending pictures every now and then. It was kind of a pre-video phone. But the technology in the time no, it was not so great. It was extremely expensive and it was uh, created in the moment where the users had recently acquired mobility uh, while answering the phone because they had this uh, big cord that they could have the phone in the kitchen and speak on the phone walking around the house. And with this, and like wearing pajamas or anything because it was just a phone. And with this phone, they would have the phones in the living room or at uh, the post office and they would have to go all dressed and uh, stand still while getting 
uh, still pictures that were not good quality and it would cost them a fortune. It would really wouldn't fit their daily lives. And, uh, and this was a product that, you know, AT&T insisted on the product for years before they gave up and they wasted. I mean, it was important from the technology point of view. We learned how to do and I think maybe uh, it helped us to where, to get where we are today. But as a product, it was a complete failure. It was a lot of money that was, you know, just not accepted in terms of product. They spent on a product that was not accepted. That can cost a lot. If you don't know uh, the context of use or of even of future use of your potential product, that can cost a lot. Thanks for explaining us with a great example. So a designer is creating strategies. So how could he present it with an effective storytelling manner to every stakeholder so that they can understand what exactly the strategy is? Yeah, that's also a very good question. And, and it's a key one because, you know, if you tell the right story, you may get where you want. Otherwise, you can't, right? But in this respect, and like everything in UX, it depends. And it depends on the audience. You have to tailor your story to your uh, target audience, the people who are listening to you. If the stakeholders that are in uh, about to hear your story, if they are decision makers, they have a, a short time frame. So you have to be very objective in conveying to them what the strategy is and what were, uh, are the contributions to the business strategy, because that will help them make the decisions more accurately. They're caring about how can this help the business strategy? What is going to cost to them and how much time they will have to deal with that? So the impacts on other products or other business decisions. If you are talking to a more technical audience, this is not that important. I mean, of course, you should mention the benefits, but they need to know what are the challenges in terms of implementation, for example. So you need to understand well your target audience and make sure that you tell them what is important for them in your story when you, you conceive your story. You have to create a narrative that makes sense to these people. So this is the most important thing. Just before you go, and it, this is not only for UX, of course, but in terms of UX strategy, it's very important that you know who you are speaking to, what is important for them, what they care about, and uh, and just build your story around that. Thank you, Denise. So you have spent over two decades in research. So what do you think is the future of research going to be? That's a kind of a philosophical question, let's say. <laughs> no, uh, I think that research has evolved and uh, the maturity of the market in terms of research uh, has also grown, which is very good. So now we have more, uh, I mean, we are more, Research is more recognized as an important tool that the companies can use to get where they want to get. But now we are learning to collaborate with other disciplines better. I mean, that's the future of research in my view. Get closer to the business and also work in partnership with uh, data science. This is something that I think will provide many, many good results in the, in the near future and, and, and on. 
because traditionally so far data science has been working very focused on the numbers and the statistics and in the quantitative data. And now uh, working together with UX research, this uh, it, it's becoming possible to leverage or to understand what the numbers mean more deeply. And also when we find some trends that in, uh, in UX research in the qualitative studies that you know is intriguing, we can help uh, get the help of the data science and, and really a sense of uh, the volume or uh, how much is that is happening or what uh, are the trends for this uh, this number or this uh, indicator so uh, i think this partnership will will become something very strong and, and whichever companies that invest on this will have more and more uh, success because it's it's intelligence you know it's something that the military has been doing for ages and is combining every source of information to transform this into uh, intelligence and to uh, wisdom so that they can plan the future and make better decisions thank you so much denise for sharing all these wonderful insights with us so could you please share with us how does your day look like or any interesting stories <laughs> yeah well my days are quite variable you know, there are a lot of meetings uh, between researchers, between researchers and uh, product managers, product designers, some leaders in other areas, but basically more products and not in the area of design. Um, I also create uh, work on, on thinking of lots and lots of questions. You have to become an expert of uh, ask questions if you want to do uh, UX research. And uh, another thing that I do a lot is reading. I read uh, I read books uh, for work and I read a lot of articles because uh, sometimes you have to go and, and it's kind of a, not as intense as an academic researcher, but, you know, it's also very important. So my days uh, involve a lot of reading. And sometimes some not so nice tasks, in my view, that is uh, organizing data and uh, working on spreadsheets and, and all that. So that is not so fun, <laughs> but, uh, but it's also part of the job. What else? Uh, stories. And, and of course, there are uh, the field studies that are the, the best ones. And this includes uh, phone interviews, uh, video interviews by a video but uh, the interesting stories are they always come from these interviews and uh and the the feud and uh i can tell you nice ones or difficult ones that when people don't talk or don't want to talk or they they want to there are people that talk too much and then you have to bring them back to the topic of the interview and they are people to talk like single word responses so it's also very hard but uh, the interesting is uh, the things that you don't expect that you see when you go to the field like uh, people i have a, a very uh, popular one that is in our book as a people putting a stapler on top of the uh, enter key <laughs> in the keyboard so that they can simulate several clicks in the okay button when there was a pop-up infinite pop-ups no not infinite but a lot of pop-ups uh, asking them to give okay before they could uh, go to the next uh, to the next task. 
it was really a lot of time. It was a bug, of course, in the system, but they would put the stapler so that, you know, all the enters would be give, be entered and then they could go for a, to get a cup of coffee or to talk with the neighbor or something like that. So this is just a, a simple one, but there are many like that. Thank you, Denise. So we'll conclude this show by you recommending three favorite books of yours and also people who inspire you the most in the space. Okay. So uh, it's it's very difficult to pick three. <laughs> You know, uh, there are many, many wonderful books that I've read. But um, one that I think is like indispensable is The Design of Everyday Things by Don Norman. It's an old book. There was a second edition and revised edition uh, in 2013. But it's still uh, a must for anybody who wants to work with UX. And especially if you want to do research, I think it's very nice because it makes you, it helps you to understand what is the everyday life of people. And that's what UX is all about. That's what we need to bring to the product world, to the companies, to the business. Another book that I, I think it's important to read, it's called Humankind, A Hopeful History. It's by a, a Dutch historian called uh, Rutger Bregman and uh, basically uh, talks about the history of the humankind and uh, cites many research studies pointing out to the methodological mishaps that uh, uh, were part of the studies and how uh, the people are fundamentally good when they are born and how it's, it's not that society makes them, you know, become worse, but what is happening in our daily lives that sometimes make people go in, in not so good directions? And, uh, and that's good in research because it helps us to look at people uh, with a fresh eye and it helps us to be more empathetic. You can, if you understand what may have happened to, to people, it's, it's easier or it's possible to give them the benefit of the doubt and to understand why they do what they do. And this is a key skill for researchers. Uh, another book that I would recommend, especially for UX research and UX strategy, it's a book called Contextual Design. It's by uh, Karen Holtzblatt. Uh, it's also uh, not so new, but there is a, a second edition a few years ago. And it, it's very important because uh, UX research uh, is, it was not a, a discipline that was born out of the blue. It's a discipline that was uh, originated from uh, other social sciences and, and it borrowed many methods from other uh, disciplines. And contextual design was a method that was created uh, based on all these other methods that already existed, but it was adapted especially for UX. And so it, it, it fits into the corporate world. You know, all the times are adjusted and, and, and we can work with the resources we have. So to walk us through all the things that we can uh, and should observe in the field, in the context. So I think it's a must for any 
UX researchers. If you could read Portuguese, I would recommend our own book, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's, still, it's still in the process of being translated. So maybe one day we, it will be available to other audiences, not so far from now. People, I would say, of course, follow Don Norman. Uh, because he is the, the father or the grandpa of UX. <laughs> and and he's, he's such a sweet person. Uh, I love his approach. He was a, a cognitive psychologist himself. So um, he brings all these human aspects to human, uh, you know, way of looking at life and at people to the the UX discipline, and I think it's a must. Another person that I would like to recommend is also follow this uh, historian, uh, Rutger Bregman. Uh, okay, and you may ask yourselves why uh, a historian if we're talking of UX and research. It's just because he has this human eye that makes us look at things that we are not really used to look, and I think this helps. Another person that I would say we should follow is Simon Sinek. He's, uh, he works with, uh, how, do, how do it, is it called, like motivational uh, speeches. And I think this is not accurate to describe him, but he's very good at showing us other ways of looking at things. And he's start with the white book. I, it's not recommended in here, but it's also a very good one. It has everything to do with UX strategy. UX strategy is just that, starting with the why. We need to know why we want to do anything before we can choose how to do it or even what to do. Okay, so I would say these three people would give you um, a, good, a good sense of things you, you need to be and, and know before you can do UX research. And I apologize for not including any woman here, but uh, of course there are many. Uh, it was not intentional. Thank you so much, Denise, for sharing all these wonderful insights with us. We are looking forward to host you again in our upcoming episodes. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Pleasure was mine. 